honestly, like I barely can remember everything. There was a lot of information coming at once and a lot of processing that was happening. You're listening to Good is in the Details. I'm your host, Gwendolyn Dolsky, and this is the podcast where we learn what we didn't know we didn't know in the spirit of Socrates. I'm going solo for this one. This is a mini series that I started in 2019 called How Do You Maternity? And I was pregnant at the time that I did this recording, and I was hungry for hearing about experiences, especially professional women, to see how they navigated this changing body, the emotional aspect, the medical aspect, and also their careers. So for this episode, you're going to hear April. She is one woman, three radically different pregnancies. She has this wonderful disposition. She's very talented. She's a hairstylist and also a writer and a bookworm. As I was going over this, I just have so many thoughts. There are so many emotional, cultural, sociological aspects in addition to the medical reality of pregnancy. And I really want to do more episodes like this. So if you are somebody who is an expert in women's health, be it medicine, fitness, psychology, please get in touch. Or if you are a woman with a maternity story, I would love to hear from you. Good is in the details pod at gmail.com. And I think that this episode is for everybody. I think that these are the types of things that we need to talk about because in sex ed, we're not talking about pregnancy. We really just talk about a fertilized egg and that is it. And the reality of what is going on with the woman I mean, when you see a pregnant woman, it's not just that there's a world behind that pregnancy. There is a multiverse behind that pregnancy. And it's important that we're not in the dark about these things. So I want to continue with the series, but right now, let's get on and hear April's story. Tell me about the first time that you were pregnant. What was going on in your life? I was in high school, so not a lot other than just regular high school things. Well, how old were you, 17? I was 17, yeah. A senior in high school? Yes. What were your first signs of pregnancy? Missed my period. Enough time had gone by. I wasn't really keeping track of it. I was definitely, like, irresponsible. <laughs> Did so, you know when, I mean, so you didn't have any physical symptoms like the fatigue or nausea? Or... No, no. I mean, nothing that stood out, you know, other than enough time had gone by that it seemed sus. (laughs) When it dawned on you, what was your reaction? Was it fear? Was it excitement? What was it? Definitely worried, like fear. I mean, not necessarily like, I mean, yeah, I guess scared. Scared because I just didn't know what to do. So my Planned Parenthood was like the first thing I went to because I was very scared to go to my parents. Being raised Mormon, that wasn't obvious. I mean, I don't even think they knew that I had been like kissing boys until I was like, Hey, I'm pregnant. Like, guess oh what? My goodness. So they were not an option to go to, to like, be like, I think this may have happened. Can I go to the doctor? So I knew that like, first steps were not going to involve them. And luckily that my boyfriend at the time was supportive. I mean, was supportive in like helping me like figure out what to do next. And so we went to like, a crisis pregnancy center. Oh, you went then, together. That's good. Yeah. Was he the same age? He, no, he was three years older than me. So, yeah. And then obviously you decided this is something you're going to do. What was that decision process like for you? I mean, I definitely thought about other options. I knew at the time, like I say, I had been raised Mormon my whole life. So like it was always very pro-life, you know. So at that time in my life, like that was not even an option that entered my head. Like I wasn't judging against people who did, but I knew that that was just not something I would ever do. But adoption was definitely on the table. Like I thought about it. 
And then just realized it just wasn't something I could do. And so, yeah, so then we just went forward. And then I finally realized I had to tell my parents once I came to that. So, like, I didn't tell them until probably, like, four months pregnant. Wow. Looking back now at your 17-year-old self, what were some of the changes to your body that surprised you? Nothing until really late in my pregnancy. Like, I did not gain one pound until six months. (gasps) The joys of being... Whatever. (laughs) Of being in a... Yeah, a seventeen-year-old athlete. I was also like very athletic. So, I, were you still in sports when you? Yeah, were... I ran track. I mean, the season had fine had ended, but yeah, like I was very, very fit. I was very athletic still. I had so much muscle. So, like, even though I my body was changing a little bit, I never gained any weight. Um, oh and God. I was a little. I had a lot of once I started taking prenatals, I got really sick too. Like they made me really sick. So I just wasn't eating as much, and I was getting throwing up a lot. So that happened to me. I had no idea because I was taking them in the morning and then one of my girlfriends told me she said no take them at night it's easier and after you've eaten yeah and it made a big difference oh a huge difference yeah like I, I definitely didn't know that either and I feel like my mom didn't know a lot of things which always like blew my mind because like I'm the baby of six you've had a ton of kids how do you I felt like my pregnancy was just as much a surprise of like things that were happening along the way to her as they were to me mm-hmm. which seems very weird <laughs> Yeah, the prenatal thing sucked. So so then what was your source of information when you're um, pregnant that first time to figure out what's going on with the So body? once the school found out I was pregnant, I was asked to move to another school really? to finish out um, at a continuation school so I didn't have a pregnant girl on campus. Just for our listeners, what year was this? Uh, 99. That's or, insane. well, actually, it was 98 because she was born in 99, but in January. So. so in 98, because what you're describing sounds like something I would expect out of the 1950s. Totally. Like, I mean, it wasn't mandatory, but it was suggested. You know what I mean? It was, <laughs> it was, it was very, yeah. Clinton's in office. Yeah. All that's <laughs> happening. Friends has just started. <laughs> right? Yeah. And they're asking, oh my God. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Moore Park still very much a small town. And so, yeah, they just, you know. So did you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but it was actually kind of great because moving to the continuation school, it was really small and they actually, they kind of like, they, they catered to like a, a girl, a pregnant girl. So like I had prenatal classes and like Lamaze classes built into my schedule. So I had a lot of information coming at me, which was great because I didn't know. And that was like another example of I got to know so much more than like my mom knew. Like they had already told me like in my Lamaze classes that like, oh, the baby's going to have a cone head <laughs> like <laughs> when they're born because, you know, they have to fit through your birth canal. And I just remember after Brooklyn was born, my mom like in the hallway, like crying and like the nurses came up to her and like, I was like, what's wrong? And they're like, she thought something was wrong with Brooklyn because she had such a huge cone head. I'm like, how did you birth so many babies? Uh-huh. And that never happened. And she's like, well, I guess they just put like little hats on them right away or something. But <laughs> I was like, I wasn't nervous. They told me that was going to happen, you know? So I was, I'm really grateful actually for them asking me to move because it did. It allowed me to get a lot of good information. Okay. Let's fast forward to your second pregnancy. What was the difference when, when you were pregnant the second time? So how many years apart then? They are 17 years apart. So the first time, you know, obviously was, I guess, easy and a surprise where the second time around I was married and it took us a very long time. Like she was a very tried for pregnancy. So when we finally were able to get pregnant with Charlie, 
yeah, totally different circumstances. I had a daughter in high school. I had a full-time career, you know, very busy. And I was a lot more tired that time around because I had a busy life happening at the same time. And being older, you know, I'm 17 versus 34. My energy levels weren't the same <laughs> for sure. So how did you, okay, so you're a, hair, so you're a hairdresser, so you're on your feet all the time. What else, like you, it's a physically demanding job. And then also you have a fantastic personality. So you're also <laughs> talking to everybody at the same time and you're dealing with a bunch of chemicals. What were some things that you had to take into consideration? On the chemical side, I definitely, like I no longer did keratins and I was very conscious of people around me working. Like I, you know, no one could do keratins around me. Like the salon was very respectful of my pregnancy as well and making sure that like no harsh chemicals were really around me when I was there Mm -hmm. in the salon and stuff like that. But for the most part, I mean, it really is fine. (laughs) The majority of the stuff that we do, but actually being on my feet all day was great because Charlie was very high up in my rib cage and she never dropped. And so it was so uncomfortable to be like sitting down or lying down. It was just miserable. So the most comfortable position was standing. So it was actually kind of nice to be on my feet. Like I worked up until four days before I delivered. Oh my God. Because it was the most comfortable position to be in. I'm like, I might as well make money (laughs) while I'm still standing, you know? And so, yeah. So it actually wasn't bad. It was it felt better than sitting at home. Well, so your second go, were there changes that happened to your body that you had forgotten about that have to do with pregnancy? And you thought, oh yeah, okay, this is happening. I, I don't, I feel like, again, I don't, I didn't really remember. Like it really felt like being pregnant for the first time because I just didn't really remember a lot of the stuff from when I was 17. So everything felt new and like, I didn't know. Like It's funny because I had all those resources before where I just kind of like went about everything and everything seemed like how it was supposed to be because I had nothing to compare it to. And then when I actually got pregnant, when I felt like I should have something to compare it to, nothing felt the same, like nothing registered. It all felt very new, very foreign. What was one of your best resources of information? The internet, which was also the worst source of information. I mean, I did. I got a lot of information off there. My doctor, I had a really awesome OB. Her office was really great. They would respond to any calls right away. The labor and delivery at Glendale Advantis got to know me really well. Mm-hmm. I went in multiple times before it was actually time. Really? <laughs> to have her. Yeah, we had probably like five false alarms where I was sent home. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so yeah, like, again, I felt like a way more clueless pregnant woman. Even though I had like the internet and doctors and an adult brain that knew how to process everything, I really did feel way more clueless the second time around. So I think some of my symptoms that have scared me because I didn't know what was going on was the shortness of breath, the gums bleeding. Oh, yeah. When I floss, it looks like a horror show. Straight up crime scene. Yeah, <laughs> that was a surprise as well. For sure. I remember talking to my doctor about that being like, should I be concerned? And the pregnancy brain, man, that is real. Like words, so difficult. Forming sentences. I remember just being at work sometimes and being like, I don't even know what I just said to you <laughs> because I would just lose my train of thought or just not even not be able to like even articulate my words. That was real. Pregnancy brain was real. What were your hours like? And then how did that change when you were pregnant? Was there I any actually worked workers? more when okay, I was, it was pregnant. Comfortable to be on your feet. It was it was comfortable and I knew that I was gonna be gone and because I am my own boss, like there was no maternity leave. When I okay. went when I stopped working, I stopped working. There was gonna be no money coming in, there was gonna be no benefits, nothing. So I actually worked 
a ton more before I took the time off. So I was working extra. And then how much time did you take off after she was born? I went back three weeks later, but at a very conservative schedule. So I went in for maybe like one or two clients. And I was working like maybe three, four days a week, just a couple hours a day. That was also the good thing, even though I had, you know, no maternity leave and I didn't have any benefits or anything. I did have the benefit of having my own schedule and creating my work schedule to fit my life and to fit my new baby. So Mm -hmm. I did go back right away, but not to like a, a heavy schedule, which was really nice. What kind of advice would you give to a working pregnant woman? <laughs> the thing I always said, if I could do it again, I would have appreciated, not not appreciated my pregnancy, appreciated being my time being pregnant a little bit more. I think I would have given myself at least two weeks off before I had the baby. I really never got a chance to just enjoy being pregnant and like having some time off to kind of enjoy my pregnancy. It was just like I worked and then I had her where it would have been nice a little bit to enjoy the time before she got there. <laughs> what is there? Okay, so when you say that, what do you mean? Like, what is there to enjoy? What is Not something? having a baby. Like, you, you, oh, you know okay. what I mean? Because like once I had the time off, she was there and, you know, I'm healing from, from all that see. stuff. So it's like I didn't have a time to ever really just rest and like relax and get some time in before the baby came. It was like work, 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 and then a baby. I wish I would have given myself a little bit of time for myself, like a little bit more self-care before Uh the baby came because it's so much harder to get that self-care time in. So I would say take some time off, (laughs) legit self-care time off before that baby comes. Is there advice that you would give your 17-year-old self? Use the condom. No. (laughs) (laughs) Something something other than that. Um, I mean, now that you're looking back No, I mean, I feel like 17-year-old self crushed it because she didn't know. Like, ignorance was bliss. I had a really great pregnancy and I don't, I don't know. She did it. She did it good. (laughs) Uh What was something that was particularly joyful about, let's just say after, after she was born? Brooklyn? Yeah. What was great is I am the baby of six kids. So I have a lot of older, so older siblings who had children. So when Brooklyn was born, she had so many cousins. I really liked that I never felt alone because like I didn't stay with her dad and her dad went off to college really quickly after she was born. And so it was really great having my family because I had so much support and then she got to kind of grow up with her cousins and she's really close with them. So like I would say family, mm-hmm. like it, it also made, got me a lot closer to my family. I think that I was a little more reckless before she was born and she definitely changed the trajectory of my life yeah. in, in a really positive way. Yeah, it was just, she, she was great. I'm like, she was the joyous part of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so after, so then fast forward to 17 years, you have Charlie... And then can we talk about the... Yeah, we can talk about Phoenix. (laughs) A a Phoenix boy, right? Yes. Okay. So how long after Charlie was born did you have your third pregnancy? We started trying when she was like 18 months. Took us about two years. And then we finally got pregnant with our third, which we were very excited about. And I will say, speaking of like changes between pregnancies, I was so tired with that third pregnancy from the get-go. That one I almost knew I was pregnant before I took the test because I was like, either I'm losing my mind or something is like seriously wrong with me or I'm pregnant because I was tired, like more tired than I can ever remember with that pregnancy. I wish somebody could have explained. I had no idea of the fatigue. That's why... 
that's another reason why I wanted to do this because now I'm looking back at all of the women who I have seen working and they're pregnant and I'm thinking how are you doing that because I just want to take a nap so I'm at work and I come home I nap and that's that's my life now I'm either asleep or I'm at work I can't (laughs) there's really no in between well maybe there might be some chipotle in there somewhere but okay so your third pregnancy you were experiencing a lot of fatigue and then how old were you for the third pregnancy then 36 Okay. And so you're going to the doctor and the first trimester, everything seems okay? No, that, unfortunately, like that one was bumpy from the get go. I had switched to a new OB because our insurance had changed. And so most of my other two doctors wouldn't even see me before 12 weeks. So that's just what, or I think, or 10 weeks. It was something like they didn't bring you in right away where this new doctor at six weeks wanted me to come in. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that seems really early, but okay. You know, I was excited. So we went in and, you know, he did an ultrasound right away, which again, like normally they don't do right away. And there was no heartbeat. And so obviously that was devastating and very scary. And he was like, oh no, like that's okay. He's like, "I'm, I'm really optimistic about it that, you know, that sometimes that doesn't show up until seven, eight weeks. So come back in four days. And so of course I was like the most excruciating four days not knowing if the baby was okay or like what was happening and we went back four days later and there was the heartbeat everything was fine Mm -hmm. but it kind of set the tone of that like whole pregnancy I was very on edge yeah from like that moment on I never could feel comfortable but things progressed fine you know my next appointment went great he was growing wonderfully. Heartbeat was good. And then it came because I'm a geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> it came time for all the testing, you know. Yeah. And so, and I remember not really being nervous about it. I actually remember being kind of excited because of having to do this testing. You get to find the gender out yeah. a lot earlier. So I was like, yay, okay. I'll pay the extra to find out the gender. And then it happened to fall over like, I think like Labor Day weekend or something. And so they had told me the test would be a little bit delayed. So, you know, it was taking a long time and I would call the office every day and they're like, no, sorry, you know, because of the holiday, it's still going to be a little bit longer. And I don't remember actually being that nervous about it. And then when I got into like the 10 day mark, I was definitely feeling impatient because I wanted to know the gender, but a little bit of like nerves had started to creep in. Mm -hmm. And then when I called the office, the nurse had told me, no, don't worry. Because if anything was wrong, that's when you would hear from us. You would hear from us sooner if something was wrong. So if it's taking a long time, like don't even worry about it, which was a very big mistake. The next day I got a call. I was actually shopping for my 20 year olds. Well, at the time she was only 18. She was getting ready to go into her freshman year of college. And we were in Ikea shopping for like all of her dorm stuff. And I had Charlie and a carrier asleep on my chest and there was no reception in Ikea. And so I just saw that I had a voicemail for my doctor and I listened to it and it was him calling me and to call him back. And of course I panicked from that point on. So as soon as I called him back, his first words were like, I'm so sorry, but your genetic testing has come back and you know, it's 99.9% that the baby has Down syndrome. And I remember I just did, I guess I didn't say anything because he kept repeating it and he kept asking me like, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And I just was like, yes. Like I couldn't, I, I don't know, I guess I wasn't speaking and everything just stopped. I just remember so much was happening around me, but every, but like I couldn't focus on anything. It was just like a blur. And I remember like Brooklyn was at the register and I could just feel like hot tears like streaming down my face. And the only, he's like, do you have any questions? And the only thing I could think to ask was, what's the gender? And I remember it caught him off guard because I could hear him like rustling his papers, like trying to find the answer. And he's, oh, it's a boy. And I was just like, okay. 
I just wanted to get off the phone. Like I just needed to get off the phone. And he was like, you know, call me if you have any questions. Like I'm here, call me back. And I was just like, okay, bye. Is this at 12 weeks around 11 This or was at 12 weeks. Yeah, or maybe even 13. It was like, yeah, like 12 and a half weeks okay. that we first found out. Yeah. And then, you know, there was a, yeah. So then everything just kind of like spun out of control. And, you know, it was, it was crazy. Cause it's like, I had, How yeah. did you tell your husband? I remember I, we paid, Brooklyn was paying. We got out to the car and I was like, I can't drive. I, I knew I couldn't drive. And she was driving. And I just remember I called him and I was just, choking crying and i remember he immediately started freaking out because he thought something was wrong with charlie he was like what's wrong where's charlie where's charlie he was so panicked because he thought i was calling because of that and then yeah and then i was like no it's the baby i told him and i think actually he was a little relieved because he was so worried that i was saying that something really horrible had happened to charlie Mm -hmm. and then you know and then everything just kind of just went by so fast you know what i mean so fast and so slow at the same time Honestly, like I, I barely can remember everything. Like it all, it was very, very confusing. And a lo- there was a lot of information coming at once and a lot of processing that was happening. We had no set mind, like decision at that time. And it, what, what's so interesting is that when we were pregnant with Charlie, we had had the talk of like, well, what if something was wrong? Like, what would we do? And in his mind, it was no matter what, we would have Charlie. And in my head, I was like, well, you know, I think that that's a discussion we need to have. Like if that happens, because there's a lot of factors that go into that. So I was the one that was, I don't know about that. I'm not saying no, but like, I'm not saying yes either. And when it actually happened, Oh, like all all the things I thought I would think and feel about it changed because now you're actually faced with that whole decision. So you had to make, I mean, one of the most difficult decisions. You're confronted with that. What kind of support groups have been there for you to talk about these kinds of things? Because this is also a reality of, I mean, what was it like going to work? Like what, how did you... I mean, yeah, it was, it was, it was weird, (laughs) especially because like there was this in between because like we didn't, we still needed to meet with all of the genetic counsel. We did everything we could. We exhausted all resources to, to make sure that this is real. Like it was a real diagnosis. So like there was, you know, a couple weeks in between where we were seeing all the specialists getting further testing done and I was still going to work and yeah it was it was still a mom to a a two-year-old yeah a two-year-old like I definitely and a freshman college student yeah trying to keep it together for all of them was really hard I mean I was only able I managed to work for like five days and then I was just like I can't do this okay that was the first thing to go I couldn't do that anymore and I will say with that pregnancy how everything was like work 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 with all the turmoil that started the first thing to go down was work had you already told everyone that you were pregnant um not everyone a lot of my close clients like ones that had been with me for a long time yes they knew and then my coworkers and my boss, they had known. Okay. I didn't tell everyone right away what was happening. I did tell the owner of the salon just because I wasn't going to be there. And I will say it was really hard. Like I'm so grateful for my husband because he stepped up 100% because I really wasn't able to be a mom to Charlie in that moment, you know, in in that time frame because I didn't want to scare her and the grief was just so intense and so deep. I really couldn't be around her because I would just cry. You know, I was just 
sobbing uncontrollably where I didn't even realize I was crying, you know, and it was just, it was just a lot. It was very intense. So, you know, he really had to kind of be mom and dad for a while for Mm -hmm. us, you know, while I went through what I was going through. And in hindsight now, it kind of bums me out because I feel like I missed out on some really cute moments of her life. Like I look back because it's almost like the PTSD from going through that. Well, obviously we had the decision to terminate the pregnancy after Mm -hmm. getting all the testing back. And, you know, I had such crazy PTSD about it that like, I really do not remember. There is a full year of my life that I don't remember. And it's like interesting to look at my phone and there are no photos. That's like 2017, a ton of photos leading up to September and then nothing from like September 2017 until like September 2018. There was like a full year where I just, I didn't take pictures. And it's like, and I know things happened. And I know that like I did haul, like I know things happened. I just don't remember them. I don't have really any memories from like that time frame. Is there something when there's a lot of discussion about pregnancy or about making a decision like that you were confronted with that you wish people knew or understood sometimes is missing from the dialogue? I mean, a lot of things. (laughs) I mean, I didn't even realize how much I didn't understand until I went through it. And oh, you were saying like, is there any support? There's a group on Facebook called Ending a Wanted Pregnancy that hands down saved my life. Ending a Wanted Pregnancy. Yeah. So like in order, it's a private group. So you actually have to like kind of fill out a thing just to even get accepted into it. And it is only for women who have terminated for medical reasons. And that was a lifesaver because, you know, it was a place to grieve with women who knew exactly what I was going through and were going through the exact same thing I was going through. And just to feel comfort, you know, but, you know, even being what I thought very liberal and open-minded, I didn't even realize how ignorant I was when it came to terminating a pregnancy or, or, you know, in my mind, when I was younger, it was like, you know, everyone should do whatever they want to do. But like, you should know by the time you're 20, 20 to 30 weeks, you should already know. Right. That is so dumb. Like it is so wrong because sometimes you don't get a chance to know that your child is not fit for for life, you know, that it is terminally ill or that that something really terrible has happened till 20 weeks, till 30 weeks. Sometimes at 38 weeks, you find out something fatal is happening to your child. So, you know, yeah, I didn't realize how common certain things are and just how not discussed it is. There isn't a place for women kind of in my position or are not as many places because everyone feels bad for the woman who miscarries, you know, but mm-hmm. a, not everybody feels bad for the woman who has terminated a pregnancy for a medical reason. Right. You know, there's a lot more stigma on it. And I remember even going through it, wishing I would miscarry, like wishing the option would be taken from me, like that, that I wouldn't have to make a choice, you know, that, mm-hmm. that it would just be made for me. You know, that was awful. It was really nice to have a place for that, a place to put that because there isn't, there, there aren't a lot of resources. How was your physician in counseling you? He was great. I will, he was great, but I will say everything leaned very, very far on the right of like terminating. It almost like it was in a, like that was, yeah. Like okay. he told me and then was like, okay, so when do you want to take care? And I was just like, whoa, I mean, oh, okay. and he wasn't trying to be insensitive or anything, but like, I just think that everyone assumed right away that that's what I would do. And that was a little bit surprising to me, but uh-huh. cause I was just like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I didn't know yet. Like I for sure knew that like no decision would be made until much further testing. Like mm-hmm. I needed every I to be dotted, T to be crossed. I needed to really know that we couldn't do it. And, it, and, and there was just so many factors. I mean, even going through the 
process, I joined a lot of different groups. I joined actually like a Down syndrome support group. I joined, you know, the grieving group that I was a part of. Like I joined all these different groups to kind of get all of the information possible to explore every avenue. And, and they all just came back to the same thing. You know, after meeting with our genetic specialist, it was just no one could give me answers on the severity of what it would be. Nobody could give me answers on anything. My doctor couldn't even guarantee he would make it through the pregnancy. There was actually a chance I would miscarry if I kept going. We knew that no matter what, there was going to be a heart condition. Like there was just so many, no one could tell me what could be. And at the end, I just realized that keeping the pregnancy was for me, not for him. It was because I wanted him so badly. It wasn't because it was the best decision for him, you know, or for our family or because we're not going to live forever. And at some point he was going to need care for his entire life if he made it through it. And it was like, then that would fall to our girls. And like, that's yeah. not fair to them either, you know? So what, what was the recovery like? Um, Physically? Not that, I mean, the recovery from Charlie was way worse because mm-hmm. <laughs> she was an emergency C-section. So hers was, the physical recovery was fine. Emotional recovery took a good two years, you know, at least 18 months of solid grief. And then the last six months have actually been like, good. It still orbits, but I'm not living in it. Right. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think it's going to be... How do I put it? It's an avenue that people don't, it's something that you don't talk about. Like you said, terminating a wanted pregnancy. That so much of the political dialogue is just hyped up and putting women in this corner of like, kind of like a how dare you and they're right or wrong. Like they either have the right or they don't. Like nobody's talking about the emotional aspect of this or different reasons. So I think it's really great that you're willing to talk about it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like sometimes it's, you know, it, You're right. It is looked at as sometimes a selfish choice, but I feel like most, at least I can speak for myself, it's not a decision. It is not a place you want to be. It's not a decision you want to make. Nobody wants to do that. Right. Uh, Well, (laughs) what would be your advice for professional women? The self-care, yes. Taking a little bit of time to yourself. Even if you don't get maternity leave as part of your work situation, make time. Give yourself at least two weeks of time. Well, thank you so much, April. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Good is in the Details is produced by Dr. Gwendolyn Dolsky and Rudy Salo. You can get more content on Patreon at patreon.com slash good is in the details or check out our Instagram and Facebook, good is in the details pod. Until next time. Bye.